0: Welcome to Because It Is, a conversation about faith, justice, and other things that matter. This podcast is hosted by Second Baptist Downtown in Little Rock, Arkansas. Second Baptist is a vibrant, historic downtown congregation whose faith compels us to seek justice, care for the oppressed, and pattern our lives after the way of Jesus. We are a unique Baptist church that prioritizes diversity and inclusion for all. In this episode, we talk with Arkansas Senator Joyce Elliott and Pulaski County Circuit and County Clerk Terry Hollingsworth about voting rights and our country and state. We discuss the history of the right to vote, election integrity, and voting accessibility. We hope this is an informative podcast that inspires you to advocate for election justice.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Because It Is. We're thrilled that you're with us and have joined us on this episode. I am uh, excited to speak about a topic that I have cared about for a long time and only increasingly so in the last few weeks and months. And I'm even more excited for my uh, partners in this, con- in this conversation today, uh, Senator Joyce Elliott and Pulaski County Clerk Terry Hollingsworth, Uh, Both have been friends to me personally and also to Second Baptist in numerous ways through the years, Uh, and so Senator Elliott and uh, Terry, we're really glad that you've joined us for the podcast, honored that you're friends uh, for this journey, and uh, appreciate your work uh, wherever you're doing that work, but especially the ways that you've agreed to partner with Second Baptist through the years, so welcome, and we're glad that you're here with us today.
2: Thank you. Honored to be here.
3: Yeah, same here, Preston. And I just want to give Second Baptist kudos for understanding the work does not stop at the church door. <laughs> on the way out, I love the way you keep extending it out into the real world and ministering there as well as inside those walls.
2: No. I'll second that motion.
1: Well, well, thanks. That means a lot. And we we do strive to be a people who practice the gospel everywhere we go, and that includes the public arena. And that's why we. Uh, need your wisdom today. Uh, so, we're talking about uh, voting, uh, which sounds so very simple at one level, and yet there are layers and complexity to this. And uh, we want you to just be our guide today as we think about uh, voting rights and. Um, I might even call it election justice. I don't know if that's a phrase or not, but I think it should be if it isn't. Uh, just election, uh, what that looks like. So, so let's start at a kindergarten level today. Uh, what does a vote mean in a democracy?
2: Uh, I'll start, voting to me is, uh, it's your voice. It's your voice in the elections, whether it's uh, an election about an issue, or whether it's elections of the of the leaders in your community or our national leaders, it's your voice. And it's the ultimately the way that uh, we vote, uh, the way that we record, um, you know, elections in this country. That's that's how we do it by voting to make sure that it's free and fair to have your voice. Yeah.
3: Mm. And, and I would certainly agree with that, Preston, uh, uh, from Terry. Um, and add to it, I, I what it means too is it is, the way you register your power, mm. it is the one thing I think more than anything else. All of us get, all of us will get one vote, and all of us has uh, every person has the power of that vote. And I like for people to think about: if nothing else is fair and equal, this is one thing that counts the same for every single one of us. And so, uh, it's important for you to exercise your power. And Mm. that vote is indeed your power.
1: Yeah, such such great words. You know, I often think uh, many Americans get in their car, they drive to a poll that for some is close to their house. We'll talk about that more in a little bit, I'm sure. Uh, And they cast their vote and it's done. And Mm -hmm. it seems so very easy. And yet that word, those words, voice and power, Mm -hmm. I don't think we would be arguing about this today if if votes did not have power and if they didn't contribute to the agency of people in this country. And I think sometimes we we probably underestimate the power of a vote mm-hmm. uh, and why there seems to be so much opposition to that today. Mm-hmm. Um, so given that fact, given that votes have power, any honest reading of American history would tell us that there have been times where votes were suppressed in this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you tell us uh, not just when, but how votes have been suppressed in the past? Mm
2: -hmm. So I would (laughs) would venture to say that um, voting started out suppressing others' votes. Mm. Uh, the way it began because in 1789, I think that's the year where the, it was in the constitution and basically only white males who own property mm-hmm. could uh, vote. So, right. I mean, so it suppressed everybody else who was on this land to be able to vote. Right. Like that, I mean, that was the beginning of it. Yeah. yeah.
3: And if, and if you don't get the, I the, get the big picture about power. If, if, that vote were not so powerful. Those white men who had the ability to, to suppress the vote would not have suppressed it. So they literally put into the constitution this is who can vote because that's where they had their power to begin this country's government and maintain that power where they wanted to be maintained. And so necessary to that was uh, suppressing the vote. <laughs> and they seem to have done it without um, in my best reading of history, um, out of a sense that this was the right thing to do. <laughs> and so when you start out with something that might look so awful to us today, they were absolutely sure they were, they were right about what they were doing and not at all concerned. And so when somebody started saying something about the vote, the suppressed, they're looking at you. Well, don't you know, this is the way things work. And that's where we get the power of institutions. Mm. Uh, this, this thing we call an institution of voting um, was built on the notion that we're doing the right thing for the country, and that has maintained itself in a lot of people's mind up through today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it really hard to convince people that it's not the right thing to do, because they've never thought about our country is founded mm. on voter suppression.
1: Yeah even in even in the very birth that that gave voice to certain people muted the voice of others right and and that's such a uh, how else do we begin this conversation right (laughs) without talking about the very thing that enabled the voice of some (laughs) constrain the voices of others
2: I mean it was really interesting to even be looking at the history to see that I mean they deemed folks were not citizens. I mean, who they said might've been citizens before just to make sure that they didn't have the power to vote. So it's just really, really, really interesting.
3: <laughs> and then when you when you think about that, well, maybe they kind of got a clue and said, this is not all right, um, when black men were allowed to vote. Well, people need to understand historically that was a compromise. It was not so much about, uh, black men getting the right to to vote, but it was all about making sure they don't have the complete uh, right to vote. You know, you're gonna count as three-fifths of a person. Um, And the Southerners wanted something there just so the North wouldn't have all the power. And so who do we have to use here where we have these former slaves, these black men, not women yet notice, (laughs) we're still holding that power. Um, we'd rather have uh, somebody with three, that counts as three-fifths to have a vote rather than just saying everybody gets to vote. And so it just continued itself right uh, through our documents. And, and uh, that's why today when people talk about you know, women not having you know, equal rights, it, there's a long history there. And so much of it had to do with how people twisted the vote and who was gonna have it and who's gonna have the power.
1: Right, so let's keep tracing that thread. We we just celebrated um, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and much of the civil rights movement was a movement born of uh, of around the issue of voting and and how uh, how the votes were suppressed in a variety of ways. Could you speak to that a little bit as to how? Uh, in the 1950s and 60s, uh, specifically the vote of Black people in the South was suppressed?
2: Well, I wasn't there, but... um, (laughs) And and I did not accuse you of
1: being there. Let's go on the record. I did not accuse you of being there.
2: (laughs) But from what we read in history, of course, there were Jim Crow laws in terms of uh, people having to uh, count different things to be able to go in there and vote or maybe even do an essay. I mean, you know, things like that and poll taxes. So, yes, uh, those things happened to. And then probably they I'm sure they had dogs and everything else to really try to scare folks from actually going to vote. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's when, when you, the, the mention of dogs or to mention things that seem so um so normal, like there's there's some dogs around the pole. Everybody loves dogs. What are dogs doing? But you know uh, that that can be a way of saying stay in your place. Don't even come near these poles, you know, or, or something bad might happen to you. But some of the really sinister things they did, you know, they, they put here. Here's a jar of jelly beans. Tell us how many jelly beans are in this jar right. without counting the jelly beans. Who's going to be able to do that? Here's right. a test name, for example, in Arkansas, name all 75 counties. And then if somebody can name them, they, well, name them in order. You know, that that's they would just keep going with these kind of things. And I was there, Terry, for some of this as a little kid because I'm so much older than you are. But I remember I, I was always really curious as a kid about what older people were talking about. And my mom said it was just nosy, and she's probably right. But the reason I remember poll taxes, I had no idea what a poll tax was. But I would hear older people whispering about poll taxes with this great fear in their voices. And I knew it had to do with voting. So there are two things working right there right away that suppressed the vote. They were fearful. And so when, if you're fearful, you're probably not gonna go. The second thing, a poll tax is something you had to buy. And chances are you are not going to have the money to buy your way in, in, into voting, and and then of course to uh, you know you, you would if your boss if some uh, not all of it was just in the government your boss might not uh, your boss might say if you go vote. You know, you won't have a place to live when you get back home because people were so dependent. Or who's going to get groceries for your kids because you have at the you know at the boss's store? That's where you you know you have your account for all the things you do. So it was not it was both social and institutional uh, the way we suppressed the votes. And and I'll just say this last thing about it. And what that did when people are so confused now about why don't people vote? For some people, the right to vote and the expectation of voting is in their DNA because that's what their feminists have done for centuries, you know, whatever. It works you know, the other way around too, mm-hmm. when, when it, it, you don't even have a chance to get it into your DNA sometimes, you know, and, and right. then we go like, how could you not? Well, you wanna ask the question, how could it have not been uh, possible for you to vote all along? And if we, as you mentioned earlier, if we don't bother to understand why things are the way they are, we won't fix it because we won't have right. a starting place.
2: Right. And, and speaking uh, to in the, in the DNA, I mean, of course my parents saw what uh, Joyce saw and, and that kind of thing and saw others having to go through that. And of course, my father was a civil rights attorney, but so they ingrained to me that voting was very important. So it's in my DNA to mm-hmm. vote. So, uh, you know, that I just feel like I'm missing something if I don't do it. But
3: that, right. that's, that's exactly right.
1: And But it is easy to see how psychologically, if your voice is not heard or welcomed mm-hmm. for decades, yes. centuries, mm-hmm. uh, in the institutions of a, of a country, over the course of time, you begin thinking you don't have a voice or yes. it's not worth speaking it, right? Yes. And so you can see how it's almost psychological warfare yes. yes and everything that that you've said, uh Terry and Joyce about uh you know the suppression of the vote in the civil rights movement, those things happened after the Voting Rights Act, right yes. at, at one level, you could look at that and say, well, everyone had the right to vote, mm-hmm. but there were other ways. Uh, under the law, or loopholes in the law, or just outright social or personal intimidation—that yes. uh, kept people from the polls. Mm-hmm. So there are there are layers to the way the ways in which a vote can be suppressed, mm-hmm. and I think it's important to see that historically because uh, there are layers to way to ways in which the vote can be suppressed today mm-hmm. as well, which we'll get to. Yeah. Okay. So when I listen to the public discourse today, um, the concerns that I hear on one side are about election integrity, right? How do we know that one person gets one vote? How can we how can we trust the integrity of elections in this country? Um, Can you all speak to that? Should we be able to trust the integrity of elections and, and how so?
2: I say yes, you should be able to to trust the integrity of the votes, uh, mainly because our machines aren't on on the internet. And so we do make sure that one person goes in and they're able to vote vote, and there's checks and balances. And then our election officials, if you will, those folks who volunteer to help, they just wanna do a good job. And they're making sure that uh, we're following the right process that's in law and making sure that uh, one vote is counted. Or even when we have our um, absentee voting, um, vote the well, absentees that are here in my office and then they go across the street, we're making sure that we're looking at particular signatures, we're making sure that it's that vote for that person and that kind of thing. So I would say yes, definitely uh, secure elections.
3: Yeah, yeah. and I, I totally agree with that because you know, um, <laughs> when, when people, talk about voter integrity. This is something that's hard to believe, but that's a, that's a fancy made up way of saying, um, we don't really believe that there is any fraud, but nobody is against voter integrity. But when you use integrity, you are trying to insinuate that integrity is missing where it's not. So people are really confused sometimes when they hear this wording, because for us to say, we need to be ensure voter integrity suggests there's something wrong. And there just simply isn't. Um, uh, theres is, uh, Voting is one of the, <laughs> the best ways I can think of, where you would have to have so much more knowledge than almost anybody has who's dealing with the system to be able to engage in fraud. Because, when I, you know, when people get when people get um, trained, for example, just to sit there and help us get through that process during a day. Who in the world thinks those people have the skills to somehow engage in some fraud with everybody looking with everybody checking? And that that same kind of process happens all the way through. And uh, I don't I, I just will not even pretend that anybody and the Arkansas legislature, who has ever brought up a bill to do something about voter fraud and suggest we'd have, we don't have the integrity, that person has never, or those persons, have never been able to demonstrate there's fraud in our elections. It is something made up to suppress the vote. Yes, It did it not go away. It's still in the DNA to suppress wow. the votes and maintain the power.
1: So we've done stuff. And another way
2: that, I mean, in terms of you talking about that institution and it's made to suppress the votes. I mean, we still have an antiquated voting system in this country. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it's not easy, easily uh, done on your phone. You Mm -hmm. know, those kinds of things, because they're always talking about there's some kind of voter fraud or something like that. (laughs) And there's no voter integrity. So but that's not true. Now, should we be concerned with uh, our democracy? Yes, I think we should always be concerned about threats to our democracy. And that to me also goes to the election integrity or voting integrity.
1: Yeah, and uh, I guess there are there are different levels where you can talk about the integrity of the vote. One is leading up to the polls and one is what happens uh, after the polls. And even, you can even, uh, go out a layer from there and say you can pan out a bit and even talk about redistricting, which is a whole different matter. But it has profound effects on the way elections happen in this country. And as residents of Pulaski County, uh, well, I'll speak for me as a resident of Pulaski County, uh, the redistricting uh, that has happened most recently that divided our county up into three different Mm -hmm. Uh, voting blocks. uh, I have great moral concern about that. And that also has something to do with the integrity of elections. Yes. Um, But that may be a podcast for, for another day. But You
3: you use the phrase election justice. I think that is a perfect way to talk about this Mm -hmm. because there was nothing just about what happened, you know, with breaking up Lasky County, there is yes. nothing just to, all the way through this process where you're trying to diminish the vo- the, the power of the yes. people's voice. Yes. Because that's what it's doing. You know, Pulaski County folks, we can diminish your power by dividing up your vote uh, in, in a way that is not going to be concentrated. So it is absolutely, I'm going to use that just so you know. Election right. justice, I think, is the way to talk about this. Right. That's really great.
1: And so here's what I've noticed, y'all tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong about this. I I hear some people raising red flags and saying they're concerned about uh, voter fraud, Mm -hmm. while elections seem to be becoming more and more and more secure at that level. I mean, voter fraud is not increasing to any degree to speak of. In fact, my research has said it's decreasing from Mm -hmm. from previous ages. And so why is there a growing concern about election or or voting fraud when it seems to be decreasing? Mm -hmm. The flip side of that is there are places in the uh, uh, election process that I am concerned about the integrity of it, and and few people seem to be pointing at those places. Mm -hmm. So where are the part? We've already talked about redistricting, and we can revisit that if you want to, what other aspects of uh, the electoral system uh, of our country are of concern to you?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, the, the parts, the parts, some of the parts of that that concern me is one. You know, we we, we don't make it easy, and we should. And then as a legislator, you know, I sat and watched and did everything I could to stop some of the bills that we were passing that really changed uh, some of the ways that we have maintained voter integrity and maintained um, the ability to be able to say that Terry could say to anybody who asked her, no, there no there is no voter fraud. But when we started changing laws, to, to make it uh, difficult for somebody to be able to vote easily, such as y- your lines are longer because you have fewer places you can vote or we're gonna cut back a day so the time that you can vote is now, is, is, is rather than doing something like a holiday to make it something that's really easy. Now you have less time that you can vote. And people might say, oh, a day? Oh yeah, that's a big deal. Because not everybody just has the kind of time to just go vote the way we should have for all kinds of reasons. And now we're going to, what we used to resolve at the, at the county level, which is where voting is taking place, now we give the ability to the legislature to have something to say about it. These are very, very concerning things because when you vote at that county level, it has never been a problem with our resolving everything right there. The minute you start, including somebody like the legislature, we've never been a part of that process. We don't know how it works or we have some idea about the way we want it to work. And there's where you have, you have some reason to be concerned because I registered my voice, my power, right where I should. And then somebody else comes up with something goes like, oh, no, we're going to take a look at it and it's going to come out a different way, a different way. That is, this, that is the most bothersome thing to me, that mm-hmm. we've given away the power of people at the county level to maintain the integrity that we have. That's opposite from what people we're you know we, we're giving away that that power right Just and, so folks and, don't know what they're doing <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> right and, and to uh, the, the senator's point when she's talking about that I mean so now we've seen counties even in Arkansas where they have actually. Uh, you know, made vote centers, and people have to drive twenty, maybe thirty miles to actually go and vote. So you know, if you are finished, if you actually have a farm, or if you've got to be at that particular job all day, you won't have time to actually get to that particular polling site. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the other ways that uh, we're seeing where there's some issues is that uh, with absentee voting, especially in this wake of COVID, if we've got persons who who need to vote by absentee, like uh, the senator said, that you have to have your actual ballot in the Friday before the election, when it used to be the Monday. So then that offers confusion into, you know, mm-hmm. the law that's going on. And uh, another thing that really concerns me as well is uh, for older persons. If there's somebody who's uh, 80, 90 years old, you know, uh, who registered to vote back when we didn't have computers, and let's say, you um, We may or may not have their voter registration application on file, but that's what we have to look to in terms of their signature from when they were 18 years old to ensure that their ballot is, you know, that they can vote in this absentee, uh, uh, you know, system. And that's not good, because I know my signature has changed since I was 18. What about those persons who might've had a stroke or, or broken their hand and they can't, you know, mm-hmm. use the hand that they usually write with? I mean, there's so many different scenarios instead of you looking actually at the poll books that people would sign every year. So I, to me, that, that's definitely a, a problem and that's voter suppression. And it may be targeted toward one group or, or a class of people or whatever, but it ends up hurting all people when you do things like that.
3: Yeah, Right. And that is such a good point, Terry, because people tend to start thinking this is about one group of people, even if it's meant to be. The effect never remains with just one. group. I don't care what you're doing. You can try to do the worst thing in the world to the worst person in the world. It ends up having some effect on all of us. And in this case, it's big time. Because as it turns out, no matter you look like you still do get a chance to go to that you know to go to to try to vote and then if you can't nobody cares what you look like what color you are and all that if it affects you it affects you Uh,
1: voter suppression seems to weaken the whole house of democracy Mm -hmm. uh not just one room even if it's aimed at one room the whole whole house is weakened so this is where i really want to pull out a microscope today and, and help people if you will uh Terry, you just mentioned some ways that you see voter suppression working. And I I hear a sentiment, well, let me back up a little bit. A couple of weeks ago when uh, voting rights was a national discussion, Mm -hmm. um, I was reading an article and I went down to the comments where all human virtue and good ideas go to die. I know better than to read the comments, but I read the comments. And one person said, why are we talking about voting rights Who doesn't have the right to vote in this country? Tell me tell me someone who doesn't have the right to vote, which, as we've just said, would be akin to saying, you know, post-1965, everyone has the right to vote in this country. How is the vote being suppressed? And we've already named that. So when we talk about voting rights today and addressing issues that make voting difficult and suppressing people's votes, what are we talking about? Uh, Terry, you've already mentioned uh, drives and long lines. Let's let's park here for a second and talk about all the things that some folks might take for granted, but do suppress the vote in the end.
2: Whoa. <laughs> so, I mean, well, voting is an essential, an essential right. And it's how we make our democracy work. So if there If there are people who cannot vote, let's say, even though I've come over here from Belgium and I've been here 20 years, I don't have the right to vote at this point in time because I'm not a naturalized citizen or I haven't taken a test to be a citizen. And so there, you know, we're stopping borders. We're stopping people from coming over. We uh, have limited tests that can be taken for people to actually become uh, American citizens. So those persons who are here who may be paying taxes and that kind of thing, they don't have the right to vote or felon. A felon doesn't have the right to vote, even though they might have served their whole sentence, uh, you know, paid all their restitution. They don't have the right to vote. Now, some states they may have, but certainly in Arkansas, they don't.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and one of the things when I when I talked earlier, Preston, about how we have put these things in a document. Um, even if as, as, as a felon, you've served and you've done everything you are supposed to do. For the longest time, I thought once that had, you've done all that, I thought for the longest time, if you just served your time, then you could just register to vote before you leave prison because you've done what you're supposed to do. And what a lot of people don't realize is this thing about uh, probation. There are some people who have served all their time and this is a common thing. People have a probationary period that is so long, they will die before they're eligible. There is something really wrong with that, but guess how we get away with it? Because we put it in our documents. It is in the Arkansas constitution yes. and people don't realize that. And it really needs to be changed, but to change the constitution is a really difficult thing to do. So if you think people like that should not you know, be able to vote, Um, And they have this this long probationary period, but you have have to satisfy a probationary period too. I know people who have probationary periods as long as 56 years. There was a man at my church that had a situation like that. In order to, um, he would have died before he could have ever voted, and he got he ended, up, ended up getting a pardon. But please understand that is an outlier. So that's one way that we suppress that vote when you should be able to vote. And and I think one of the other things that that we do. Um, we, we don't start people thinking about this at an early age. I had a bill, for example, that would pre-register 16-year-olds because in two years, they're going to be thinking about this and we are not making it something as important, uh, for example, say as when you're 16-year-olds, it, it is not Unusual for the military to show up at our schools to prepare our young people to start thinking about serving their country. Well, voting is part of the service to our country as well, and um, I think in our schools we don't, you know, we don't do a good job of making making sure it's something important. But but the other things that happen too, you, you might not think that it's a big deal, but just having the time to vote. That really matters. I mean, just in, in terms of a day, we could, we could have voting available seven days a week. We could have voting available, I mean, almost everybody in this state goes to Walmart. Why don't we have voting available there? And people just go nuts when you mention making it easy. So I think one of the biggest things today that suppresses the vote is not making it easy. I lived in Minnesota for one year and people kept telling me I could uh, register to vote on the day, on voting day. I I didn't, I've never heard of such a wild, crazy thing. And sure enough, I didn't believe it enough, but I'm just going to go register on on, uh, the day that we vote, on election day. I walked up there with every intention, had my speech ready for why they were not going to let me register and vote that day. And, and, and I felt like a, fool, because they just said, oh, here, sit right here and help you It was unbelievable. That is the only time I've ever been able to just show up and register and go ahead and vote. And that made sense. We tried to get a bill passed this time in the legislature that you could register online. Why not? Couldn't get it passed. That would, that would really enable a lot of people uh, to be able to you know to, to get registered whether they voted or not is their is problem but we are not doing the things we need to do to make it easy that is the seminal thing i think that we are yes. doing to suppress the vote not making it easy
2: and we can <laughs> vote and, and they can register online in all the states around us but yes not Arkansas,
3: <laughs> not Arkansas. yeah yeah
2: yeah yeah that's
1: yeah. something that that we need to address for sure
2: it really good yeah. Yeah. I, and and Joyce spoke about uh, making sure that we start teaching it to our, our kids when they're younger. I mean, you know, of course, when I was growing up, we had civics. We did the Pledge of Allegiance and things like that. I'm not sure what, you know, what they're doing in the schools these days, but something like that, teaching about civics and uh, our civic duty to even, uh, you know, work for a governmental agency or run for office or, you know, something like that, uh, would I think would help as they know that voting would be their civic duty as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great word. I, I think about, you know, the state of Arkansas as a predominantly rural state. Mm-hmm. And how, so for me, someone who lives in Little Rock, my my polling place is just a couple of minute drive from my house. It's very convenient for me. Uh, I can sort of work it into my, my weekly schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are places in Arkansas where polling places are few and far between yes and yeah. it is a substantive drive mm-hmm. and then if you combine that with standing in line uh for who knows how long and and who knows what kind of weather there are things like that you know joyce back to your or senator elliott i shouldn't say no, joyce, no, I'm sorry about that <laughs> sorry um your point about just the ease of voting mm-hmm. um, There are some things that just make it difficult to people. And then you put a layer of a pandemic Mm -hmm. on top of that, right, where it is a danger for some people to get out. Uh, That's something that definitely needs our attention. And surely when we're banking online, we're doing everything else online. It seems like we could register and and vote online and do this in some easier ways as well. We, we, we send our money, our money
3: <laughs> online out to all kind of places, you know, and, and we wouldn't do it if we didn't think it were secure. But Preston, let me, let me give you just a real life example of uh, when people ask the question, who can't vote? I, ho- I hope we don't get, uh, I wish people would quit mixing up whether or not you have the right to vote with the ability to vote. Those are two very different things. For example, I grew up in Nevada County. A lot of people in Nevada County work at the Tysons that's um, up in Hope and somewhere in that area in the county next door. Well, you think? They, I, I, I know folks who work the, the shift from like 3 to 11. And they sleep during the day or try to get everything else done before they have to go back at 3 o'clock the next day. Mm-hmm. And somebody said, and and it's hard. You've got to get all those other things done at hours that are abnormal, maybe for you and me, because we just have that, you know, seven to three life or whatever we might have, the nine to five.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And if that person then you say, well, you could go, you could go vote on Saturday. They have Saturday voting. Number one, in these rural counties, it's probably just one place, not in a compact place, you know, like we were talking about. Got to drive 30 miles to get there. But those are some of the same people who have to gather up all their clothes, get to what, what we call the or the laundromat, get all of the things done that you need to get done on Saturday because you can't do it during the week, and there's no voting on Sunday. And that's the only day you have left. Now, you've got to choose to survive or choose to vote. Yes. And there's something profoundly wrong with that. It doesn't mean that person doesn't have the right to vote, but the ability to vote is a whole different thing. And what if, and I know people like this, you are taking care of a loved one at home who can't be left alone after all of that. Where two people live in this home, they both say work at Tyson different shifts and we don't have the ability, because somebody has to be there with grandma all the time. You you, you can't just leave her and say, well, I gotta go vote now. These Mm -hmm. are the kind of things that people face in real life.
2: Right, yes. I agree with that and along with that particular scenario, uh, if that particular couple had, you know, uh, more than four people of voting age in that uh, household and they decided to do it by absentee voting well now because the legislature changed the law, if you are in possession with four or more of those absentee ballots. That could be considered voter fraud. So now you've got to worry about okay, dude, you know, you're doing something for your family. Now you've got to be worried about whether somebody's gonna rat on you and, and as you're trying to get these ballots to the mailbox or even to the clerk's office, you know. So
1: yeah, whenever people say voting is so easy, there there are tons of assumptions that go into that remark, mm-hmm. and it, mm-hmm. it's easy for some people in some uh some locations and some stages of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a whole lot of givens for yes. people for whom voting is easy. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has those same givens and same same assumptions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about Arkansas specifically. Uh, I heard recently that in the last election cycle, Arkansas was last amongst the states in our country in, ver- in voter turnout. Mm-hmm. Um, again, that's a place for me where it's a red flag, right? Here's an issue, let's talk about this issue and nobody seems to be talking about it. Mm-hmm. So why do you think that is the case in Arkansas? We might've already talked about some of that and what might be done to remedy that in our state?
2: So I think that it's the case because even though we, there's there's so many people who won't get registered, they don't wanna be registered and then Uh, In terms of the ones that are registered, not everybody goes to vote because apparently they don't feel the connection of why they need to why it's important. And so that's what I hear a lot with the, uh, especially with some of the younger set uh, folks. Uh, And when I say younger set, I'm thinking, you know, between 30s and 40s. They're saying, "Why does it matter?" They've already made their, you know, the decision anyway, and that is not the case. So uh, they don't understand how their voice is power, and I think that's what something that we certainly need to uh, teach and let them understand uh, how their voice is power mm-hmm. and their vote is power.
3: So, because, and I think that's exactly right. Um, one of the things that I I have done when I was teaching, um, I would. Just ask students sometimes, you know, let's make a list of things that happen because of people voting. Mm-hmm. Something simple like that. And that's the way I try to talk with people about it who say it doesn't count. I go, but let's name something. And then we start naming, we get into this almost a game of trying to outname each other. Now, all of these things happen uh, because somebody voted. You know, you, the, the post office is going to close at 5 o'clock because somebody somewhere voted to make that possible. You know, mm-hmm. you have a store in your neighborhood or you don't, a grocery store. That has to do with how somebody voted somewhere. Mm-hmm. Why does this neighborhood look the way it does and a neighborhood over here looks like something else? That's because of votes and that's what makes it power. But it, you have to have patience to have those kind of conversations with people. And I think that is not too much to ask of us because we have patiently over all these years, we patiently made it hard to vote. We have patiently made sure some people could not vote and so forth. So they're not voting for that reason. But the other thing I think we could you know, do in school is we will talk about people bled and died to vote and all that as if that's going to make people go vote. It might make your i go vote if that were going to work people would already be voting so taking the time to understand what's important to people because if you know what's important if you ask them what what would you like to see changed and then you don't get to talk about just what you think is the reason you can show them well if you want that changed here's this and this that has to happen for example right now you know, we're as as I have a friend used to say, we're all boogered up about something, but we're all in a water about the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. We've never really explained to people adequately, I think, that we get the Supreme Court we get because of the way we vote.
0: Right.
3: These things are a part of a system that are connected, and I always say to people, if you think your if if you think your vote doesn't matter, um, but folks are steadily trying to make sure you can't vote easily. If you think your vote doesn't have power, they they do. Because if, mm-hmm. if your vote didn't matter, if your vote were not powerful, they'd be trying to share the power with you rather than take the power away from you. It's, right. it's those kind of conversations that we have to have with people who are not voting and there are still are people who don't vote because they don't want to be called <laughs> to as a to serve on a jury and I keep saying no it's not it doesn't work that way anymore it's <laughs> you can still be called <laughs> do, you, do you drive a car do you have a license it's not <laughs> it's not because you voted but there really are people who really would not vote for that reason and we that's another thing we need to get out there and help people understand that's not going to save you from voting. (laughs) Right. So, right.
1: So, so you're both so deeply entrenched in this, in your work, and and you've been at this for a long time. Uh, Can I not so much uh, appeal to your reason, but your most hopeful imagination? Uh, Mm -hmm. When you think about the future, if, if angels sang, in the electoral process in this country, what would that look like? What, what are your greatest hopes? Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe today, what are your greatest fears and concerns at this moment? Mm-hmm. Well, uh,
3: my, my greatest fear is that people who hold power are go- might con- will continue to be willing to do anything even cheat, talk about fraud. Mm-hmm. My greatest fear is that people are going to be willing to do anything to hold on to power because of the way we see our demographics changing. Mm-hmm. That's a real big fear for me. Rather than see it as the beautiful thing that I see it as, I, you know, I, I have enough sense to know that that's what a lot of this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and knowing the history of what happened when we tried to be more equal with in our in our country with people participating in our, in our government um, through Reconstruction. And that was that was deliberately beaten back and it set us back so far. Mm-hmm. But despite that, we have come along and we're and now, I think, at another breaking point for some people. Uh, that, Reconstruction was too much, we're not gonna do that. We did some very heinous things in our country to make sure we didn't do it. I feel as if we're at that point again now. Whatever yeah. it takes, you will not vote. My greatest hope though, I guess I have to say, starts with um, the Gen Zers. Yeah. Because the Gen Zers seem to be so much more focused on justice. And Preston, that can include, you know, what the term you have coined for me today, election justice. They care about that, mm-hmm. and, and I hate to dump everything on young people, but I think they're going to be a part of what saves us, and mm-hmm. I see more and more people, too, who um, have not thought about it before, but as they are learning, they're starting to act differently, because they have honestly thought election justice existed for everybody, and... Right. So, I think people are learning and and, and acting differently. And I have a lot of hope in that. And because when people saw what happened, for example, in Georgia and Arizona, that gave people hope. And I think it gives a lot of hope to a lot of places where things aren't happening as they should.
2: So, my my greatest fear speaks to uh, something, even what uh, Joyce was saying that um, my greatest fear deals with uh, my right to vote will be taken away and that we will no longer have a democracy. So that, that bothers me because we, it seems that we do have people who are apathetic, who are even registered, but they won't go and vote. And so we, when we need everybody's voice and their or their power as we go through every election, even something as small as a school board election, we really need people to actually come out and vote. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that that's one of my greatest fears is losing our democracy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my greatest hope is in the in the younger generation, and uh, that they will stand up for uh, us and our rights and and uh, you know with the uh, election justice. And uh, that, uh, you know, one day we will even have felons who can register before they come out of the jail and be able to vote and be able to participate and actually uh, be productive in this democracy as well.
1: Here's what I think of uh, when I imagine, uh, when I try to put some flesh on what election justice looks like for me, Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think of three things. First of all, uh, when we were in the middle of the redistricting a few weeks ago, I had a friend who said in a healthy democracy, people choose their politicians, voters choose their politicians. In an unhealthy democracy, politicians choose their voters.
3: That's right.
1: And that really blew my mind for a second. And I, I dream of a day where, the, the voice of the people is the prevailing voice uh, mm-hmm. in this country. So that's the first thing I think of. I, I think about a country where we want everyone to vote. Mm-hmm. It just seems so wrongheaded to me and, and better yet, wronghearted when the when the desire is for some people not to vote. hmm. Uh, I don't see what makes that good or right at any <laughs> level. And so I want, even people who disagree with me personally and my personal views, I want everyone to vote. and uh, That me seems too. to be a healthy democracy to me. Uh, and finally, equitable access to voting. Um, if you have, if everyone has the same right to vote, but in one part of a city you have Um, 12 polling places open. And in another part of the city, you have two. Mm -hmm. Um, The same right to vote, but not equitable access or ease, uh, as both of you have talked about today. Mm -hmm. That can hardly be called equality uh, uh, Mm -hmm. in my mind or justice in my mind. So those are the things that I imagine when I think towards the future. Mm -hmm. Do y'all have any thoughts about that?
3: Oh, I think that that I think those are excellent things because um, I I love, even when it's not about a vote, hearing contrarian views. I mean, there's just something in me that's like, oh, this person has something to contribute and almost always I learn something. I I think that's and, and that can't help but make our country better. Right, Because we don't need all the same thing. You know, when people say things, for example, and I heard this a lot growing up, who's going to be the next Dr. King? There's not going to be another next Dr. King. Mm-hmm. The reason you're different from Dr. King is because you are different different with something else that you can offer. And I think that that speaks to the strength of our differentness rather than, you know, teaching and acting as if it's something that is bad. Uh, And I'll just skip the second one for now, just what I think about that equitable uh, access. Um, When the second time, right after you said that, you used the word ease. I think that's really important to have those double E's um, because it can be equitable. And everybody can, can just go to you know one place. It, it can it, it can be equitable, but it doesn't. It's not easy because there are ways to be equitable by going down rather than you know going up. But and I understand you know what you're saying, but but the ease I think is so important to add with that word equitable. Right. You no, know, um, is is this just the whole notion that? gosh, this is so important. How do we tell people something is so important and not make it easy for them to do it? And that just stuns me, because we, you know? But I think those are three really, really good things. And I, I, would, I, I would say in case we're about to wrap up here that one of the things that will get us there is if we will, you know, my, my dream as well is that we will learn from history because one, one of the reasons we don't change things is people don't know how we got here. Right. Um, um, but apartheid didn't just happen in South Africa. Mm-hmm. We are not just where we are because um, we didn't have Jim Crow. Jim Crow was real uh, you know, and mm-hmm. beating back the reconstruction was real. I, sometimes I just dream about what could we be like had we kept, kept moving forward with reconstruction A lot of people have no idea even what are you talking about reconstruction? Mm -hmm. Because we really haven't taught it, you know, and right now there's all there are all kind of problems teaching it. I'll stop there and let Tara have her, her go at, at your very excellent thoughts, Preston. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: yeah, I think they were very excellent thoughts, and um, it, it, you know, to speak to that in terms of having equitable access to voting and everyone voting, man, I wish we could really have those things. But I think we also have to be careful when we are talking about equitable access. Just as Joyce was saying, it's got to be easy. It's got to be. It's got to be for everybody uh, to be able to get to it. Because I mean right now voting centers seems to be the big craze in Arkansas right now, but voting as much as I might like voting centers. They can still be a barrier to voting because that means that they are shutting down polling places and putting this vote Center you know, 20, 30, 40 miles away. So we have to be careful in how it's used and um, Mm -hmm. making sure that uh, the access is easy as well as equitable. Mm -hmm. So yes, um, one day we're gonna gonna have it. We're gonna have it where everybody can vote. Maybe even these, I I saw something on MSNBC the other day where the the Gen Zers were saying that they wanted uh, voting at 16 years old.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Some countries, I forgot where it is that they're doing that, actually, I think, even. Uh, But I want to say I I forgot something that I think is really important. We were talking about making it easy. And I I promised myself I'm going to stop forgetting this is what we don't do for people with uh, disabilities to make it easy for them to vote. That's. You know, I just learned more and more how, how much I've taken for granted that I need to be more aware of that we are not doing to make it easier for folks who, who do have those disabilities. And in some cases, this is not a disability. We, we need to do a better job, especially from the state level for different languages. When somebody was trying to get some information recently from uh, the Secretary of State, they couldn't get it in Spanish As, as, with as many Spanish-speaking people we have in our state, this is like, we're gonna defy our beauty no matter what. And I'm determined to keep stirring that recipe and get us all in there because that's what it's gonna take for us to get all the tastes and all the feels, so.
2: I'm I'm glad you mentioned that, Joyce, because as as the county clerk, when voting was happening in 2020, I kept saying, we need to get something from the Secretary of State's office so that you know, some Spanish speaking people would be able to, you know, fill out the form, be able to do the, uh, you know, the absentee uh, application or the actual, appi- the apps. ooh, I can't talk. The actual uh, ballot,
3: the ballot. <laughs> <laughs> is yeah.
2: what I was trying to say uh, in terms of absentee. And they were pretty much like, no, we're not doing that. And yeah. if I had done it myself, mm-hmm then yeah, you know, I was already, they already thought I was crazy for having those lines where people could actually come and drop off their their ballot, you know, but so yeah. Yeah, there was only so much I could do, but I really wish we could have done more.
3: So the key to this is vote for the people who will do the right things. There we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and
1: that's why both of you were asked to be on this podcast today. Um I'm, I'm grateful for your time and your wisdom that you've shared with us all and more than that for your work. Uh, I've known you both as friends to be people of integrity and you're on the right side of right. And I appreciate that and uh, am most grateful for that. So thank you both. You're uh, if, if you're listening today and anything that has been said has uh, pricked your conscience or motivated you to act Um, I wanted you to know a couple of things. First of all, Second Baptist Church in this year hopes to have several uh, voter registration drives that we are uh, responsible for and spearheading. And if you would like to be a part of that, we would love uh, to talk to you about that. To be clear, we are not telling people how to vote. Mm -hmm. We just believe that access to the vote is not of political concern in a democracy that is of moral concern. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we want to be a part of that work. And that is on the horizon for us in this year. And we want to be people of justice. Uh, We are called our faith compels us to be people of justice. And if uh, if that is something that is of concern to you, uh, check us out at Second Baptist Church, and we would love to visit with you more about that. Uh, You can help us be that, even as we hope to help you uh, be that and do that. Uh, But for now, we're grateful that you joined us today, uh, and let us all strive to be people who advocate uh, for just elections. Peace be with you. As you go, go and love God with all your heart, and soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do so as if it's the most important thing in all the world, because it is.
0: Thank you for listening to Because It Is. These are just some of the things that matter to us at Second Baptist Church downtown. If you enjoyed this conversation, please visit us online at 2BCLR.com. That's the number 2BCLR.com and like us on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Brittany Stilwell and edited by Randy Schoenig with Fresh Air Media.